Dirty pop. Hello and welcome to the 2000s Chart Show, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the music of the 2000s, one UK Top 40 singles chart at a time. I am journalist and 2000s pop culture obsessive Samuel Spencer, and this week was the week in which I went for a drink with one of my friends, and they said to me, you know, my boyfriend, he just doesn't understand you at all. He said to me the other day, I literally don't understand a word that Sam says. He just constantly talks about British things from the 2000s. And with that in mind, here is an hour and a half of talk about British things from the 2000s. On the top 40 we're looking at this week, the 23rd of August 2003, there are new entries from Busted, Police, Kings of Leon and David Snedden. And all of that sounds incredibly exciting, so let's kick right in and go to number 40, a slightly less exciting song, a new entry. Here is the Blue Tones with Never Going Nowhere. You just heard there a 30 second sample of Never Going Nowhere by the Blue Tones. But if you want to hear all of the songs that we play on this episode, you have two choices. Either visit our YouTube page. There will be a playlist of all 40 songs that you can play through as we continue with the podcast. Or you can go on Spotify and follow our playlists that have all of the songs that we've played on the podcast so far, or at least all of the ones that are available on Spotify. There's also you can check out a playlist of my favorite songs that we have played over the last four months or so. And let's just say Blue Tones Never Going Nowhere is never going nowhere near my Spotify playlist of the favourite songs that we've played on this podcast so far. So one of the narratives of this show, and yes, that's right, there are overarching narratives to the show, it isn't just me going on a series of stew of consciousness rants about the music of the 2000s. Well, it is that, but it is also the story of the music of the 2000s. And if you listen across multiple episodes, you'll see this. Because one of the narratives that we talk about on the 2000s chart show is how 2003 is the year that British indie reaches its absolute low point, and then towards the end of the year, it makes its triumphant return. So I've been teasing that for quite a long time, and I'm very excited to say that after weeks of Turing breaks, Stereophonics, Longview, and all the other bottom-of-the-barrel indie sludge that you've had to sit through for the last few months, the turning point into the good indie is very nearly here, because the Libertines are about to release Don't Look Back Into The Sun, which comes out next week and kicks off the British indie revival. But of course, that's next week, and before indie makes its triumphant return, the final nail has to be put in its coffin. And the people who are holding the hammer for that nail are the Blue Tones, the indie rock band originally from Hounslow. Prior to releasing Never Going Nowhere, the Blue Tones nearly had a number one single when their song Slight Return got to number two in 1996. And honestly, it has all been downhill from there. Despite this, however, they managed to have 13 top 40 hits, of which this is the last one. I have to say, not a fan of the Blue Tones, but it is almost impressive to have had so many top 40 hits and yet have made no cultural footprint whatsoever. So congratulations to the members of the Blue Tones for that. As I said, their top 40 run ends with Never Going Nowhere. And that may be because critics really put their knives in for this song. Drowned in Sound, for example, highlighted this song as one of the worst songs on the album. And that's an album they gave one star. And I don't mean one star out of five, which would be bad enough but one star out of 10 they gave the Blue Tones album, which was called Luxembourg, and they called 
Never Going Nowhere a, quote, third-rate pulp ripoff. Uncut Magazine also gave the album one star out of ten. Brutal. And they said that the Blue Tones can't write songs and, as ever, sound knackered from trying. So no wonder. <laughs> I would give up too. I would stop having top 40 hits too if I had been character assassinated like that, I think. And so this is quite that's quite a harsh beginning to this show, isn't it? Just us negging on the Blue Tones. So I will give you one thing I like about the Blue Tones. And here it is. So as I said, the album is called Luxembourg. And that name comes from the lyrics of one of their songs on the album, which is called You're No Fun Anymore. And is about an S&M relationship that goes sour. And in that song, the couple's safe word is Luxembourg. And to the Blue Tones credit, that is a very funny safe word. So... Not to damn them with faint praise, but there's some faint praise that I'm damning them with. Never Going Nowhere by the Blue Tones, a new entry at number 40. The manure sped on the fields of the charts so that the indie revival flowers can grow, if you want to be poetic about it. So thank you, the Blue Tones, for spreading your muck on the top 40. And thank you now to our number 39 and 38 entries on this week's chart. So at 39, 21 questions by 50 Cent. And at 38, down from 21 last week, Delta Goodrum with Lost Without You. would you still love me? If I didn't smell so good, would you still hug me? If I got locked up and sent this to a quarter century, could I count on you to be there to support me mentally? If I went back to a hoopie from my bands, would you poof and disappear? Like some of my friends, if I was hit and I was hurt, would you be by my side? If it was time to put in work, would you be down to ride? I'd get out and chill and drive. I'm asking questions to find out how you feel inside. If I ain't rap because I flip burgers at Burger King, would you be ashamed to tell your friends that you're feeling me? So both of those songs managed a pretty respectable nine weeks or over two months on the chart, but doing much less well at 37 in only its third week, down from 23 last week. Here's Lisa Mafia with In Love. Smash Hits gave In Love by Lisa Mafia three sun cream bottles out of five with our queen, Smash Hits finest reviewer, Serena Lacey, saying, When this track starts, you can't wait for Lisa to burst into a blast of funky up-tempo Mafia-style R&B. After all, she is Lisa Mafia. But instead, we get melodic piano and a wet ballad that could be sung by anyone. Not that we're saying it isn't pretty, because it is. Very. We just want to know where's the feisty London lass we love has gone. Couldn't have said it better myself. That is exactly what's wrong with that song there. A huge waste of potential because All Over by Lisa Mafia, great song, got to number two. This song got to number 13 and basically ruined her career. So if only she had played to her strength. So that may be the last time we ever talk about Lisa Mafia on the podcast, which means it does, of course, bear repeating one last time that, yes, really, her full birth name is Lisa Mafia. Incredible stuff. Slightly less incredible is our number 36 new entry this week. This is QFX with Freedom. Freedom. 
QFX originally got to number 41 with a different version of the song Freedom in 1995. I have to say I do prefer the original 90s version of Freedom because it sounds almost like a parody of a happy hardcore song, but not necessarily in a bad way. Dance music is kind of full of songs like Freedom by QFX. It didn't hit originally, so the people who made it think, oh, sod it, why not release it a few years later in the style of whatever the hot dance genre is? So they released in a hardcore style in 1994, and now in 2003, we're getting a trance version. Of course, nowadays, every bloody song on the chart is just a rehash of a bloody dance song for the 90s and noughties, pumped through whatever programme, empties out a song of anything bloody interesting and gets it ready to be put on the Love Island soundtrack. Not sure why... When I complain about the music charts in 2023, I automatically have the impulse to put on a northern accent. It just kind of feels right. I don't know why. Thinking about it, it is my dad's voice. So I guess rather than unpack that trauma, let's very quickly go back to Freedom by QFX and mention that the team who remixed the 2003 version are none other than Voodoo and Serrano, the German DJ duo that we talked about last week. And you can listen back to last week's episode to find out exactly what that was all about. QFX, meanwhile, are a Scottish DJ group, and there isn't that much to say about them. other than note that one of their members is called David Goonery, which does, to bring it all together, sound like something my dad would say. Right, enough of your bloody Goonery, Sam. It's time to tell him what number 35 in the chart is. I lost the accent of my own father there. Proud moment indeed. But he is right, it is time for number 35, and indeed also number 34. So at 35 in its sixth week and down from 27 is Business by Eminem. And at 34 in its second week and down from number 20, the unfairly flopping Train on a Track by Kelly Rowland. Roland and Eminem there and at number 33 in its sixth week on the chart we have Real Things by Javine which I found a very interesting rumour about which I will talk about just after we hear the song. So yes, that rumour is none other than Kanye West appears in the Real Things video as an extra. This went all over TikTok and Twitter last year. But Javine herself, I have to say, is sceptical about this. She told Grazia, he was probably quite a big producer at the time. I probably thought it was just a lookalike. And she is right, as Javine is about so many things, because Kanye was producing Jay-Z by 2003, so he probably wasn't so short of a bob that he needed to be in a Javine music video. I also am not really convinced that the guy in the video looks that much like 
like Kanye West. But you can decide for yourself if you pause the podcast now and it's at, okay, I told you to pause the podcast then without actually telling you where you could see Kanye West in the Javine video. So hopefully you didn't pause and you will go to the Real Things video and look from 1 minute 41 onwards. So now it's officially safe to pause your podcast. Watchers, I lose half my listeners who just paused and never came back there. They've saved themselves from a bullet there because at number 32... In its 15th week of the chart, so the longest running song on the chart, depressingly, a former number one, R. Kelly with Ignition Remix. And then at 31, a new entry. Here is Keep Love Together by Soda Club featuring Andrea Anatola. Soda Club's Keep Love Together, before we play it, is from the album Anthem Alert, which I think is a little presumptuous of a title. It's like, we'll be the judge of whether there needs to be an alert for an anthem after we've heard the song. So let's do it. No need for an anthem alert. I'm not even breaking the glass to press the buzzer on the anthem alert. But that didn't stop me from doing quite a lot of digging and unveiling quite a complicated web about who Soda Club are. I do these things so you don't have to. So it started by looking at their allmusic.com bio, which says Soda Club were one of the more commercial transacts to emerge during the mid-2000s, comprised of four strikingly attractive young women, steady on all music, Gina, Hannah, Charlotte and Andrea, the British quartet sang a combination of originals and retro covers. These songs were performed in the fashion of progressive trance, trademark dramatic breakdowns and all, yet were structured like pop songs. And by the way, the Gina they mentioned, that was a member of Soda Club there, that's actually Gina G. Yes, that Gina G. of Eurovision fame. That may, of course, lead you to be thinking, wait, Gina G was in a trance band? And the answer is, no, she wasn't at all. Because that all music bio is wrong. Insert Kill Bill shock music there. (laughs) A piece from the Lancashire Telegraph in 2003, which seems to be perhaps the only article that was ever written about Soda Club, so thank God for local journalism. It reveals that Soda Club are actually two guys called Andy and Pete, and that the women who All Music thinks are the band Soda Club are just guest vocalists on their various songs. So I was like, okay, Andy and Pete, who are they? So I did more digging and learned that they are brothers Andy and Pete Lee, who are also known as the DJ duo Love to Infinity. I believe we talked about them on a previous podcast, but I can't remember which one, but what I can tell you about them now is they have done remixes for pretty much every iconic gay diva that there's ever been. In fact, they've done remixes for everyone from Madonna to The Who. Yep, The Who are now canon iconic gay divas, I've just decided. And if you look at the Love to Infinity discography and you wade through the hundreds of remixes they've done for other people, you'll notice they released a song under their own name in 1995 called Keep Love Together. And you may think to yourself, "Mm, that's funny because now they're releasing a song by Soda Club called Keep Love Together. I wonder if they're the same. And I'm here to tell you they are the same. So what we have here to sum up is Soda Club doing a cover of their own song, but with a different name and a different singer. And that singer is Andrea Anatola, to be exact, who the band met after she danced in one of their videos. And this is the third of the four top 40s for the band, whose highest charting song was a cover of Heaven is a Place on Earth, which was in the charts in March 2003. So there you go. 
more than you ever wanted to know about Soda Club. And you'll be pleased to know that my house now looks like one of those scenes in a film where someone tries to find a serial killer by connecting loads of pictures with bits of string, truly in my Mindhunter era. So I'm very happy to have got to the bottom of who Soda Club are, but there's probably some of you out there who are slightly less invested in the identities of a random, forgotten trance act of the early 2000s. So for those of you out there, here is a story that is about a penis and is vaguely related to Soda Club, so hopefully that will perk you back up. So if you search for Soda Club online, as I obviously did to try and find out all that information, you'll get a lot of results for Club Soda, not the what Americans call sparkling water, but a non-alcoholic bar in Soho in London. And the first person who ever told me about Club Soda was a person that I went to journalism school with who didn't drink. And after journalism school, I lost touch with him, I think because he didn't drink. And then years later, I wondered, oh, what has he been doing in journalism since we all graduated? And I discovered he had published a story on Medium all about how he'd never been able to attract his foreskin and had only actually learnt that other people could attract their foreskins when he was in his 20s. Unfortunately, it has been scrubbed from the internet now, but it was very funny because he did say, explained about 12 times in the piece that the reason that he'd never known that you could attract a foreskin was because he'd never had a gay experience. And I would say, if you say you haven't had a gay experience once, I'll believe you. If you say it 12 times... I'm sceptical. But anyway, the true irony of the piece, of course, is that he was teetotal and you'd have to get me absolutely steaming drunk to write about my foreskin on the internet. So that's the punchline of that story. And now let's check this out for a segue, okay? And from not being able to pull the foreskin down on the head of your knob to all in my head, the song by Koshin that is at 30 this week. Incredible stuff there. I mean, from me doing my segue, not from Koshin. So here's a quick recap of the 30s of the chart, and then we'll head into those, I don't know, those tantalising 20s. At 40, a new entry for the Blue Tones with Never Going Nowhere. 39, 50 Cent with 21 Questions. 38, Delta Goodrum with Lost Without You. 37, Lisa Mafia with In Love. 36, a new entry for QFX with Freedom. 35, Eminem with Business. 34, Kelly Rowland with Train on the Track. 33, Javine with Real Things. 32, R. Kelly with Ignition Remix. 31, a new entry for Soda Club with Keep Love Together. At 30, Koshin with All In My Head. And at 29, here is William Orbit collaborating with Pink. Here's Feel Good Time. Sleeping in the church, riding in the dirt, put a banner over my grave. Make a body work, make a beggar hurt, sell me something big and For our next entry at 28, here's a review from Smash Hits, a four sun cream canisters out of five review from Serena Lacey. She says, Smash Hits old chum Craig has gone all Latino for his latest record. Clap along melody and the Spanish guitar make you want to kick up your heels, lift up your skirt and flamenco around the garden on balmy summer nights. Think holidays, colourful cocktails and bright flowers in your hair. And if that doesn't make you smile, this record will. Aye, 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 here is Craig David with Spanish. Ain't hard to read the signs. This girl bangs the great instrumentals. Well, here's an acapella of mine. Girl, would you like a drink with me? Don't mind, can I talk to you? It's all right. your body close to mine. All night, while we're dancing. 
third week down from number 15. Around this time in 2003 Craig David was supposed to be Mariah Carey's support act but he had to pull out after poor ticket sales forced her to reschedule some gigs which then clashed with his European tour. We haven't had that much time to talk about Mariah so far on this podcast apart from her work on I Know What You Want which was I think only just left the chart this week but it's very exciting to talk about Mariah here because her response to having to reschedule to play smaller gigs is absolute peak diva Mariah nonsense. So she told the son at the time it's all about the fans. I want to be close to them. Brilliant. It's definitely not, I couldn't fill those big arenas so I had to play small locations. It's, I just wanted to play spaces which were smaller so I could be closer to the fans. Sure. Here's how much smaller, by the way, the venues had to be. So she was meant to start her US tour in Sullivan Arena in Anchorage, in which 8,700 people could see her. But instead, the US branch of the tour started at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, which has a capacity of just over 4,000. So those fans definitely a lot closer to Mariah and really that was all that anyone wanted. Well, apart from obviously they may have liked to have seen Craig David, which they then couldn't do. Talking about people that you may not want to ever see, here is... So I think that was that was quite unfair, but whatever. Here is 27, a new entry for Leanne Rhymes with We Can. Now, I said Leanne there, but of course, as any true pop fan knows, Leanne Rhymes' name is spelled capital L, lowercase e, capital A, lowercase nn, which does mean that her name is actually Le-Anne, which is of course French for The Anne. So this song from The Anne is from the film Legally Blonde, colon, Red, White and Blonde, the sequel to Legally Blonde, which was released to cinemas in July 2003. A critic summed up the reaction to this film with the review, there are a few bright spots along the way, but not enough to prevent this from being declared legally bland, literally from the moment that the film Legally Blonde was released. People were just waiting to use that pun, weren't they? But I'm glad they used it here because there are a few bright spots along the way, but not enough to prevent this from being declared Legally Bland is a perfect review of We Can by The Anne Rhymes. It really is a motivational song that won't motivate you to do anything. A failure in terms there. And for sure, The Anne Rhymes may have needed some motivation herself because this is a very weird time in The Anne's career. She had a number one single in the UK in 2000 with Can't Fight the Moonlight, the song from Coyote Ugly that famously taught us the valuable lesson that you cannot fight the moonlight. Do you know why? Because it's light and you can't move it with your fists. So she told us that in 2000 and then struggled to get another top 10 hit. The closest she got was I Need You, which got to number 13 in March 2001 and then Life Goes On, which got to number 11 in October 2002. And now she's stuck at 27. So of course that meant that The Anne had to do what any self-respecting celebrity does and diversify her career. She thinks, "Uh uh-oh, the singing might be on the way out. So... I need to find a new revenue stream. And so in July 2003, she released Jag, her first children's book, which was about a jaguar who is afraid of water. Publishers Weekly called it a poorly paced saccharine outing, and a random Amazon reviewer said, I try to avoid using the words stupid and hate with my children. This book uses both words. If she would have used alternate words, the book would be great. Which is funny, actually, because that review is stupid. 
And I hate it. And I don't think much better about We Can by Leanne Rhymes either. So there we go at 26 now in its fourth week on the chart. So hitting a month, Stereophonics with Maybe Tomorrow. tomorrow i'll find something exciting about that song but certainly not today so stereophonics at 26 and at 25 another new entry here is p diddy featuring calice with let's get ill KP Diddy, if you say so. So I'm not sure what that's going to be like to listen to in headphones. It's very weird, this song, because it's a collaboration between a very famous rap artist who has three UK number ones and has sold millions of records with a singer who is about to enter her kind of peak period. And yet this song barely exists. I think it's because it's such a weird departure from the sound that we're used to from P Diddy. It's like he just decided to be a house DJ for one song for no real reason and then only released it in a few countries and never mention it again. I mean, I can kind of see why he never mentioned it again because it is bad. You know, your weird cousin's attempt at being an EDM DJ sounds better than this song. And in fact, the whole thing kind of reeks of contractual obligation like they were like some shady european record executive was like oh we we have one more song on your contract or we're gonna sue you and so he spent 45 seconds on fruity loops said let's get ill a few times and then was like there we go out of that contract because it feels it's weird though because it does feel like a kind of desperate attempt at a comeback where someone experiments with a new style hoping that they can find a new audience but there's no reason for him to be desperate for a comeback because he'd had a number four hit a year ago with i need a girl his collaboration with usher and even in 2003 he'd had a number 11 hit when he appeared on b2k's bump 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 so why he needed to release let's get ill a huge mystery i can't really tell you what he was thinking releasing it but what i can tell you however is exactly why Puff Daddy changed his name from Puff Daddy to P. Diddy, which was his name at this point in 2003. It was because he decided to get a fresh start after being at the centre of a major criminal trial. That's when I change my name, by the way, every time I'm part of a major criminal trial. So in 2001, this is from MTV News, in the aftermath of his acquittal on gun possession and bribery charges, Sean Combs doesn't just plan to change his life, he's going to change his name too. In an effort to break from his past, the artist formerly known as Puffy and Puff Daddy now wants to be known as P. Diddy, he told MTV News Wednesday morning march 28th in his first on-camera interview since his acquittal on gun possession and bribery charges not to put my journalist hat on for a second but i would probably cut the repetition of gun possession and bribery charges there if i was the editor of that piece but i guess i should probably let it go because it was over 20 years ago so i will and i will tell you a little bit more about the where the gun possession and bribery charges came from so they were from an incident at a nightclub in which gunfire broke out and three people were injured, and it was later claimed that this was the result of an argument between Diddy and a fellow club patron. Prosecutors claimed that Diddy had an illegal gun, which he bribed his driver into saying was his, rather than Diddy's. But Diddy, for legal reasons, I must say, was acquitted of all of this and found not guilty of all the charges. But someone who wasn't found not guilty was Diddy's then protege, who was a rapper called Shine. 
So he was at the event when the gunshots went off and he was convicted at trial by a jury on two counts of assault and of reckless endangerment and also found guilty of criminal possession of an illegal weapon. And as a result of that, he spent nine years in prison. Since then, however, and this might be the most deranged fact, not only in this episode, but in every episode that we have done of this show so far. Since being released from prison, Shine has become, and this is true, the official leader of the opposition in the Parliament of Belize. So good for Shine there. He became the leader of the opposition of the Parliament of Belize in 2022. But back in 2003, he was in prison and Diddy had more legal trouble. He just cleared his name in that case. And then he was being sued by a former business partner for what Smash Hits called a scary $15 million. They went on to say, Kirk Burroughs says the Diddy man threatened him with a baseball bat in 1996 and cheated him out of money. This lawsuit, incidentally, ran at least to 2015 when it was thrown out of the appeals court in New York. Fascinating man, Diddy, in many ways. Luckily, we'll get to talk about him again because he has six more top 40 hits, including a number one in June 2004 with I Don't Wanna Know, his collaboration with Mario Winans and, of course, Enya. And here's a fun activity to try at home this week. Just try and imagine a conversation between Enya and Diddy. That should keep you entertained for a full day. Diddy, the main artist on Let's Get Ill, and, of course, he is joined by Khalees in the first of two chart entries for Khalees this week. First of all, it's worth noting that Diddy is frankly disrespectful to Khalees' vocals on this song. He chops and screws them and puts them through all these effects when she has one of the most distinctive voices in R&B. So that's rude. If he wasn't already going through so many uh, legal troubles, I may sue him myself. But that's, I'm sure she doesn't mind because just five months after Let's Get Ill is released, Khalees is about to release her biggest song of all time. Stay tuned for that at the start of 2004. And at that point, I will go into my very long rant about how Khalees is better than Beyonce. So gird yourself for that one. And gird yourself for at 24, in its fourth week on the chart, down from 17, Deepest Blue by Deepest Blue. We've only got this time to prove That together we can make it through I'll never hide my dreams from you You're my deepest blue If temptation ever Deepest Blue by Deepest Blue, of course, the 2003 version of Jacobs by Mark Jacobs for Mark by Mark Jacobs in collaboration with Mark Jacobs for Mark by Mark Jacobs. I think I said all in one breath. Why I recover from that? Here is a new entry at 23 from the Kings of Leon with Molly's Chambers. Just another girl that wants to rule the world at any time or place. And when she gets into your head, you know she's there to stay. Now, I know what all you filth hounds out there are thinking. I know as soon as you heard the name Molly's Chambers, you were like, Molly's what? And this is certainly what the Ars Technica forum user Nebasuki thought on a thread asking exactly what Molly's Chambers are. They said, never heard the song, but vagina comes to mind. Well, get that vagina out of your mind, Nebasuke, because Molly's Chambers are not her front bottom. Side note, by the way, what does it say about straight men that they think a vagina has multiple chambers? I'll leave you to decide that one for yourself. Why, I tell you that the term Molly's Chambers is actually an Irish slang.
slang term for a brothel. A molly is what we might describe euphemistically as a woman of negotiable virtue. And of course, her chambers are where you might, let's euphemistically say negotiate that virtue. Or, to use a euphemism that the Kings of Leon might understand, be careful when you go into Molly's chambers or you'll wake up with your sex on fire. Valuable life lesson there. The line Molly's Chambers, by the way, is from Thin Lizzy's take, the Irish heavy metal band, their take on the traditional Irish ballad Whiskey in a Jar. We wrote around that, making it about this girl who has this secret power that would take you over, Caleb Followill told Entertainment Weekly. So that explains why they made Molly's Chambers. So you now know that Molly's Chambers is not her vagina, but a brothel. But I'm not sure that anyone told the Kings of Leon that. Here's some sample lyrics from their version of Molly's Chambers. You want it, she's got it, Molly's Chambers gonna change your mind. She's got your, your pistol. Molly Chambers gonna change your mind. She's got your pistol in her chamber. Mm, mature. Speaking of the Kings of Leon's pistols, by the way, if you were lucky enough to have shared a hotel with them around the time they released Molly's Chambers, you may have caught a glimpse of a follow-ill pistol. This is from an enemy article about their comeback a few years later. They toured incessantly through early band days, drenched in the kind of Led Zeppelin shaming drugs and debauchery that would see Caleb roaming hotel corridors in naked cocaine stupors. Definitely making naked cocaine stupors part of the episode title. Although I feel that you might be disappointed when you get to this point, you're like, oh, that's where it comes from. Mind you, speaking of a band who's had their fair share of naked cocaine stupors, here is at 22, Fast Food Rockers with Fast Food Song. Of course, for legal reasons, I have to point out that that is a joke. To my knowledge, the human members of the fast food rockers have never had naked cocaine stupors. I can't speak for that giant blue dog of theirs, though. Very large pupils. So we'll leave him to come down and move on to number 21. Here is Fabulous, F-A-B-O-L-O-U-S, of course, with Can't Let You Go. So I made sure canary sit out your locket to protect you. I get out and cock it and you know the barrel of my... Big enough to spit out a rocket Oh, you gon' play dumb if cops do come through I gotta keep the top up if my drop do come through But I know the boutiques and shops you run through So I cop for one and cop you one too You always get a daily page, weekly ring Plus you ain't too shy to do them freaky things I ain't gotta put a band on your finger I worry about you telling the whole world I'm your man while I'm Springer At first you was something and that takes us into our top 20 A quick recap at 29, Pink featuring William Orbit with Feel Good Time. 28, Craig David with Spanish. 27, a new entry for Leanne Rhymes with We Can. 26, Stereophonics with Maybe Tomorrow. 25, a new entry for P. Diddy featuring Khalees with Let's Get Ill. 24, Deepest Blue by Deepest Blue. 23, a new entry for Kings of Leon with Molly's Chambers. 22, Fast Food Rockers with Fast Food Song. And at 21, Fabulous with Can't Let You Go. So that takes us to our halfway point in this week's chart. Still to come, songs from David Snedden, Busted, and another track from Khalees. But here at number 20, a former number one in its 14th week on the chart, Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. Speaking 
of Bring Me to Life. In a minute, I'll tell you about how strangely erotic I found David Snedden this week, who is at number 19 with a new entry. Here is Best of Order. Before I disgust you all by talking about my slight erotic attachment to David Snedden, we have to ask a very serious question, which is, did Fern Cotton put a curse on David Snedden? The answer, of course, can only be yes. So in her introduction to his performance of Best of Order on Top of the Pops, she says this. A year ago, he was an unemployed Fame Academy hopeful. Now he's a Top of the Pops regular. It's David Snedden. Yes, so he's a Top of the Pops regular who would never return to the show after she said that. So definitely putting some pins into her David Snedden voodoo doll after the show aired there. This would all be fine, of course, if Colin Murray, our nemesis, didn't rub it in by letting the song play out and then saying, What a third consecutive hit then. There you go. Makes you think that Colin Murray wasn't really paying attention to what was going on because he had just been reacting to a song that had only got to number 19 after the person's last two hits got to number one and number three. So do better, Colin Murray, just in general. Although I can't say I'm going to do any better because I am about to talk about how sexy I found David Snedden in this Top of the Pops performance. I don't know what it is. He's wearing a kind of graffiti t-shirt that looks a bit like a harness. Maybe it's just a sense memory. He's kind of playing the rocker, which really does it for me. He's got a kind of cute, pale face, which is kind of my thing. I'm kind of disgusted in myself, but I was sitting here being like, hmm. I was thinking things that no one whose last name is the very unsexy Snedden should ever think, but I was, and I won't apologise for it. So maybe I'm the only person who's ever thought that. Certainly a savage critic in the Smash It's Letters page did not agree with me. In their letter entitled Snedden Sucks, they wrote, I just want to say I agree with Lee from Edinburgh that David Crappy Snedden is rubbish. He sounds like a cat with gastric flu being chucked over a fence. Shut your cake, old Snedden. And that was written by Blazing Squad's number one fan from London. That's what they called themselves. That wasn't a value judgment. So sorry, Blazing Squad's number one fan, but I think he's cute. A little bit more about Best of Order. It seems to be a autobiographical song for old Snedders. Even just saying the name is making me a little bit less attracted to him. So it's a song about working a load of shitty gigs at pubs in between rounds of bingo and then being catapulted to success by winning Fame Academy, which of course is the David Snedden story. And if you want to know more about what his life was like post-Fame Academy, listen back to when we talked about his song Don't Let Go getting to number three at the end of May 2003. That episode obviously came out at the start of May 2023. So listen back to hear more about David Snedden. I think this song is kind of actually fine, but I just don't think after two power ballads, the world wasn't ready for a David Snedden song with a guitar solo and it weren't ready for him to be playing the rock star. Although I was... Anyway, what I'm trying to say is this performance gives me satisfaction and oh, would you believe who's next in the chart? It is at... Number 18, Benny Benassi featuring the biz with Satisfaction, starting a dance music triple bill. So you will hear Satisfaction, followed by at 17, Jason Nevins presents UKNY featuring Holly James with I'm in Heaven. And at 16, in its 12th week on the chart, XTM and DJ Chucky featuring Anya with Fly on the Wings of Love.
there we go. Bringing back memories of 2000s club nights and or school discos, delete as appropriate. But I'm going to completely ruin that fun dance music vibe with our number 15 new entry. This is Did My Time by Korn. Another chance to pause the podcast. But before you do that, let me tell you why. So go to YouTube and look up the video for Did My Time by Korn. Because you will not believe which Oscar winning actress appears in this Korn video. Yes, that's right. It's Angelina Jolie. Don't ruin my morning. In this Korn video. To be fair, this is actually one of the number of music videos that Angelina Jolie appeared in. Early in her career in the 90s, she appeared in promos for the Rolling Stones, Meatloaf, Lenny Kravitz and the Lemonheads. But these were all before 1998, so she hasn't done a music video for five years. Which does lead to the question, why did she want to appear in this Korn music video? Did she miss the breakneck fun of music video shoots? Did she want us to know that she considers Korn as artists on the same level as the Rolling Stones? No, of course not. She appears in the Korn music video because of the best reason to do anything. Contractual obligation because of course did my time was the official song for lara croft tomb raider colon the cradle of life i'm not saying the colon is the cradle of life there i'm saying the colon in the title yeah you got that good that of course being the second tomb raider film so the second song on our chart that is the song from the second film in a franchise oh no the third song that is the soundtrack to the second film in a franchise because of course feel good time by pink is also from the soundtrack of charlie's angels full throttle and really, you may be hard-pressed to name three worse sequels than Legally Blonde 2, Red, White and Blonde, Charlie A's Angels, Full Throttle and Lara Croft 2, Raider the Cradle of Life. And that may be why there's a general hint of embarrassment from Angelina Jolie throughout this entire video. She does appear in it, as we've said, but she really does the absolute minimum. All she does in the video is basically turn around a lot and walk for a bit. It was clearly a shoot that she did for about 10 minutes and then they just green screened her into this Korn video. I don't think she ever met a member of Korn. So why did they pick this Korn song to be the official soundtrack of Larkoff 2 made a colon the cradle of life? Well, the early 2000s were a time, of course, where every action movie needed a new metal song. It's the trend started with Mission Impossible 2, which had the Limp Bizkit song, Take a Look Around, and of course continued with films like Spider-Man, which had Chad Kroger's song, Hero. So obviously... Lara Croft Tomb Raider colon The Cradle of Life thinks they're fitting in with that trend but what they're actually doing is really giving themselves a self-own because let's not forget that the first Tomb Raider film Lara Croft Tomb Raider no colon had actual U2 do a song for them and that song was Elevation which is actually good whereas this song is actually very bad and it really bodes badly for the second film that they could only get corn when they previously had actual U2. It's like if you, for breakfast, transitioned from one week having name brand Crunchy Nut Clusters for breakfast, and the next week had actual human shit in a bowl. Yum yum. So perhaps it's no wonder Lara Croft 2 made a colon the cradle of life was rated 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. Peter Travers of Rolling Stones summed up the reviews for the film by writing, Scenery can't save this blindingly dull sequel. Unfortunately, no word that they could change into bland in the title of Lara Croft Tomb Raider, the cradle of life. I guess you could have said Lara Croft Tomb Raider colon the crapple of life, but it's not that good. In case you wondered how it matches up to Legally Blonde 2 colon red, white and blonde, on Rotten Tomatoes, Cradle of Life has a worse score than Legally Blonde 2 by 12%. 
percent, which is actually a fun coincidence if you like that kind of thing, because this song is 12 places higher than the song from the Legally Blonde sequel. Aren't numbers fun? Yes, they are, and they are certainly more fun than Corn, a band that only the absolute worst goths in my school liked. And I do mean that as a real insult, because like most of my first boyfriends were goths, so I know how to separate between the good and the bad goths. And by the way, in case you've been lucky enough to miss Corn, and in case you can't hear it there, I'm saying the R in Corn backwards, like in the band's logo. And by the way, if you've never heard of Corn, I want to live in the pop diva dominated Elysium where you grew up. But anyway, Corn are a California band best known for two things. The first is their members having a lot of white boy dreadlocks, and the second is bringing new metal to the mainstream. Both of those things should be illegal under the Geneva Convention, and Korn should be sentenced at The Hague. That's all I'm going to say. So thankfully, this is the penultimate of their 11 top 10 hits in the UK, but is also their second highest charting song behind Here to Stay, which got to number 12 in June 2002. You can listen to Here to Stay at your own risk, because we are going to listen to at number 14, down from 7 in its third week something beautiful by robbie williams if you can't wake up in the morning cause your bed lies speaking at night if you're lost hurt tired or lonely can't control it try as you Over the last few episodes, we've talked about how Robbie Williams is at the peak of his powers at this point. He's just signed the biggest record deal in British music history, and he's just headlined the biggest music event in British history when I think 350,000 people saw him at Nebworth. And nothing shows you how powerful and successful Robbie Williams was at this point than this tiny little factoid from Smash Hits. So this is from the section in which they give you a random number and then they give you a fact about it. So it'll be like one colon. The number of stars uncut gave the Blue Tones album Luxembourg. So this one says, 72, the number of rooms hired by Lord Robbie of Williams in his favourite Vienna hotel to guarantee his privacy. Yeah, booking out 72 rooms in Vienna just to get away from people. No wonder the guy had some troubles in the next few years. And talk about a guy who might be slightly troubled based on his weird social media presence. At 13, another former number one. This is in its fourth week, down from eight, Never Gonna Leave Your Side by Daniel Bedingfield. Never days the same since you've gone. But that leads on to a double bill of former number ones because at 12 we have down from 10 in its seventh week Beyonce with Crazy in Love. Such a funny thing for me to try to explain How I'm feeling in my pride is the one to blame Cause I know I don't understand Just how you love can do it no one else can Come and look so crazy right perfect that there's two number ones there because it leads us very nicely into a song that bloody should have been number one but is here at number 11 so this is a new entry for stacy orico with stuck
for any straight listeners out there, and I assume there are some of you and I welcome and accept you, I'm here to tell you a little secret about gay men. So huddle up to your headphones here. So when you come out as a gay man, and this is true, you have to book an appointment with the gay committee, okay? And what happens there is you walk into a room, it's Lil, Neil Patrick Harris, Billy Porter and random gay celebrity, Michelangelo, the Renaissance painter. Not didn't want to get sued there by a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle for saying that any of them could be gay. Where was I going with this? Oh yes, so you go to the gay committee and what they do is they give you an envelope. They say, welcome to gayhood and give you the envelope. And then you open it and it features inside it three flop pop girlies that then you are legally obligated to stand for the rest of your life or else I take your gay card away. And so I can tell you that on my flop pop card that I got from the gay committee, Michelangelo himself stopped chiseling beautifully sculpted cocks and gave me a card that says that I have to forever stand Stacey Orico. And so I will do that to the best of my abilities here. Of course, the straight listeners out there, again, loving and accepting you, but you are wondering to yourselves, who the hell is Stacey Orico? And words cannot describe so luminous a figure, but I will try. She's the emo to Avril Lavigne's punk. She's the Joni Mitchell of the Capri Sun generation. She's a 17-year-old philosopher, and she is the true inventor of the beauty spot. In fact, you can say she is truly everything. I mean, saying all that, though, it is for me her really her next single that's the truly groundbreaking moment in the culture. So I'll save the real deep dive into Stacey Orico until then. But for now, here are a few interesting facts about Queen Stacey Orico. So she is a Seattle-born child of missionaries who first found fame singing in a crystal christian festival talent competition at that point an alarm bell has rung in the true pop trivia maniacs heads and they're thinking to themselves oh what so she's like an american bedding field exactly right and you are exactly my kind of person for thinking that so thank you for listening to the show in 2001 stacy orico was 15 and she was signed to the christian rock label forefront and that same year she then toured with destiny's child which is just objectively very funny like i know that destiny's child did dabble in gospel music on that album but I just love the idea of a 15 year old girl singing about Jesus and then Kelly, Michelle and Beyonce come on singing Bootylicious it's like Jesus can you handle this Judas can you handle this I don't think you can handle this woo yeah you get the idea of that Stacey Orico's her first album was released around that time and then her second album Stacey Orico was released in 2003 it was also originally intended to have a Christian rock sound but then they hired Dallas Austin to give the album more of a chart sound and try and make her a chart artist so we've talked about the nemeses of this podcast over the weeks Colin Murray obviously the worst of them but Dallas Austin is going in the rarer selection of genuine heroes of this show because he is a producer of some of my absolute favourite tracks in the world not only Stuck by Stacey Orico which would be enough to put him in my esteem for life on but he also produced and here's just three of them secret by madonna sick and tired by anastasia and unpretty by tlc probably all in my top 20 favorite songs of all time also he weirdly produced walk this way but the girls aloud versus sugar babes song so definitely not one of his best songs but it does mean that he is responsible for recording one of the all-time great line readings which is in walk this way when a male says i took a big chance at the high school dance with the two hardest a's that anyone's ever sung in a song iconic dallas austin a king for all time so because he worked on stuck it was inevitable that this would become the lead single for stacy orico's second album and her first song to chart in the uk because we have the good sense to not listen to christian rock that much just as we have the good sense not to listen to country music too much one of the few things to be proud of about this country but of course when she released stuck as a single it led to a lot of christian rock fans calling her out for abandoning them by selling out and going mainstream So this led to her doing an interview with a website called JesusFreakHideout.com. Side note, 
creepy as fuck name. And in this interview, she says, I wish I could just be an artist. I'm an artist who is a Christian, who sings R&B music, who sings honestly about the things I'm dealing with in my life. Whether it's my faith or the mistakes that I've made or the things that I'm questioning or the things that I'm discovering for the first time. And so that demented person earlier who thought the Sociarico was basically a American bedding field, definitely now thinking to themselves, didn't Katy Perry say exactly the same thing when she stopped being a Christian rock artist? And yes, she did, you absolute maniac. And of course, I am that maniac because I thought both of those things. And I have to say that, honestly, on that note, the fact that releasing stuck annoyed fundamentalist Christians is another tick in the sleigh category for Stacey Orico for me. Not enough of a sleigh to get her into the top 10, admittedly. But then again, if she had made the top 10, the gay committee would have never assigned her to me to stand. So I guess it's good that she's here at 11. And it does lead us to wonder, of course, who's made the top 10. Well, let's do a quick recap of the top 20 and then find out. At 19, David Snedden with Best of Order, a new entry. 18, Benny Bonatti featuring The Biz with Satisfaction. 17, Jason Nevins presents UKNY featuring Holly James with I'm in Heaven. 16, XTM and DJ Chuck featuring Anya with Fly on the Wings of Love Corn a new entry at 15 with Did My Time 14 Robbie Williams with Something Beautiful 13 Never Gonna Leave Your Side by Daniel Bedingfield 12 Beyonce Crazy in Love 11 a new entry for Stacey Orico with Stuck and at 10 a new entry for R. Kelly featuring Big Trigger with Snake yes R. Kelly again two songs in the top 40 lucky us I realise with R. Kelly that newer listeners may wonder why Ignition Remix is the only song that we don't actually play a clip of. Well, I guess now Ignition Remix and Snake by R. Kelly featuring Big Trigger. So here is why we don't play those songs. It's because of a a little rule that we have on this podcast. I know this feels like a anarchic zone, but there are a few rules. And one of them is this, that if someone is actively in prison for committing sex crimes, we don't play their stuff on the show. So now you know that's why we're not playing Snake by R. Kelly featuring Big Trigger. Also, I love the idea that I don't have to play a song by someone who calls themselves Big Trigger. Hint for the world, by the way, if you call yourselves Big Trigger, everyone knows that you have a small trigger, okay? Moving swiftly on to safer ground, number nine, down from number three in its second week, the Cheeky Girls with Hooray Hooray, It's a Cheeky Holiday. It's a cheeky word, a funny word. Hooray, hooray, indeed. So Cheeky Girl's there at number nine and at number eight. Another new entry, her second on this week's chart. It is Khalees with Richard X. Here is their song, Finest Dreams. Finest Dreams there, of course, the third of the three songs Richard X released from 2002 onwards in which he got buzzy pop stars of the time to cover mashups. And although I do like Finest Dreams, mostly because I love Khalees, see me thinking that she's better than Beyonce. But this is unfortunately the worst of those three, but that is because the other two are all-time great songs. So a quick recap of the career of Richard X up to this point. The first 
of his songs was, of course, Sugar Babe's Freak Like Me, which set Adina Porter's song Freak Like Me to the tune of Tubeway Army's Our Friends Electric. So that was a number one hit for him back in May 2002. And then in 2003, he released Being Nobody, which had Liberty X singing Ain't Nobody by Shaka Khan over the tune of Being Boiled by the Human League. And that song got to number three in March 2003. And now we have Finest Dreams, which brought together the song The Finest by the SOS Band over the tune of The Things That Dreams Are Made Of by the Human League. The fact, I have to say, that he used another Human League sample suggests that he might have been running out of ideas. And it wasn't the only sign that Richard X might have been running out of steam. So when his other two songs were performed on Top of the Pops, Liberty X and Sugar Babes could be bothered to turn up. Whereas the Top of the Pops performance of Finest Dreams is just him. And let's say he can't quite match up to the high octane excitement of Khalees or indeed Jessica from Liberty X. So on this Top of the Pops performance, he does a thing which quite a lot of artists like to do if they've feel that they're smart so as we know a lot of top of the pops is mimed and they'll do a thing where they'll make fun of the fact it's mimed by making it look very clearly artificial so for example i think oasis performed a song with their guitars unplugged other people will like fumble the words deliberately i saw a performance once where orbital just stopped playing their synths halfway through but in this one richard x makes fun of miming by mixing drinks for the dancers throughout instead of playing his various pianos so this could be funny in theory but the fact that Khalees isn't there already makes it very weird that they're doing this song at all so then the fact that he can't even be bothered to pretend to be enjoying it just makes the whole thing seem difficult to watch and it's not just because he has some of the worst scantily clad dancers in a show that is known for having bad scantily clad dancers so the whole thing's a bit of a mess and this may be one of the reasons why although Finest Dreams has clearly done okay getting to number eight the planned fourth single which featured vocals by Javine was cancelled so another blow against Javine there if it wasn't bad enough that Alicia Dixon was slagging her off, she now has to deal with not getting to release a Richard X track. So this hasn't been that kind to Richard X, I admit, although I have said that Freak Like Me and Being Nobody are two of the greatest pop songs ever written. And he was also, I have to give him props, for being responsible for producing Some Girls by Rachel Stevens, which is not only his best work, but probably hers, and also, without doubt, one of the finest pop singles of all time. So credit where credit's due there. But enough credit of Richard X, because we have to talk about another star producer of 2003. This is Pharrell Williams featuring Jay-Z with Frontin. <laughs> We touched and then we like eyes. And I knew I wasn't there and I was gonna your ass up. Your ass I know up. that I'm carrying on, never mind if I'm showing off. I was just front. You know I want you, baby. I'm ready to bet it on unless you don't care at all. But you know I want you. You should stop front. We get a fun fact about Pharrell Williams in Smash Hits this week and it is that Pharrell Williams was brought up in Virginia Beach where swearing is outlawed and this is true he was actually raised in a city in which it is illegal to swear there is an NPR piece about it which features one of the street signs from the street which is very funny may not work in a visual medium but I'll try and describe it to you it's one of the classic like Ghostbusters red circle with a cross through it signs they've done it to mean no swearing so they have to represent swear words but of course they can't just write the word cunt and then cross through it because kind of defeats the object of having no swearing if you have to have a massive sign with a c word on it i guess so they do what anyone does when they're trying to represent swearing in a family-friendly way which is do it as a series of characters 
So this sign is a red circle with a cross through it, through, in order, a spiral, a lightning bolt, a hash, and two exclamation marks. So don't you dare spin around while being struck by lightning on Twitter in Virginia Beach, or else you will be fined. Or else you certainly would have been fined before February 19, 2020, because at that point, NPR reported that the centuries-old law against cursing in public was repealed by Virginia legislators. Prior to that, you could have got charged with a misdemeanor and given a $250 fine for swearing. It was a law left over from the beginning of Virginia becoming a American state, particularly a law in 1792 which made profane swearing illegal but it was repealed there in February 2020. One of the people in the NPR article who wanted this swearing law to be repealed was the Republican delegate Michael Weybert, or v- Weybert uh, who is a cattle farmer from the area, and he said, and now I know this isn't the South, but he's going to have a Southern accent because that's just how I picture a farmer in America. When you're working with cows and a 1,400-pound animal doesn't do what you want it to or steps on your feet, Every once in a while, something colourful comes out of your mouth. So there you go. That's what Michael Weber said about that. You would please know at the same time that state lawmakers also voted to repeal the law against fornication, defined as voluntary sexual intercourse by an unmarried person, but they did keep the ban on spitting in the area. So feel free to be an unmarried person having sex in the street, saying this is the best fuck of my life, but don't you dare spit on your genitals and use them as lube because then you will be liable. So I hope Pharrell Williams thinks about all of that next time he visits his home. But we have to think about someone else, specifically on number six this week. Here is, in its second week down from four, Mark Owen with Four Minute Warning. Heel boots and a two-inch earrings Heart of glass, blondest sings in her ear You're a rock queen, honey, and As you know, we stan the Queen Serena Lacey and all of her recent smash hits. But I do think that her 5 out of 5 Sun Cream Bottles review of 4 Minute Warning by Mark Owen is a little too much. She says, All hail a boy band legend. Back in the day, Ickle Mark caused global hysteria with his dancing, floppy hair and saucy dolphin tattoo. We'll get back to that one. He's all grown up now, but his cheeky charm and catchy tunes are still wicked. With a shouty chorus and strum-tastic guitars, this is refreshing and different. Only Mark could make the end of the world into a comeback anthem. Result. I think Serena Lacey may have been a take that fan in her youth and so is uh, giving Mark Owen an inflated score there. That sourcing dolphin tattoo line, I missed the first time I looked at that review for some reason. So I am learning live here what exactly Mark Owen's saucy dolphin tattoo is. So listen for some, some sound of me typing here. Mark Owen dolphin tattoo. Oh, it auto completed. Oh, that's disappointing. It seems to just be a saucy dolphin tattoo because it's close to his penis. I, was, I thought it was going to be a dolphin with tits or something. Actually, I guess that's not really that saucy. It's kind of just grotesque. Anyway, point is, he has a dolphin tattoo and I really think it's the dolphin tattoo that Serena Lacey has given five stars to, not four minute warning. But this wasn't the only Marco in content in this week's smash hits he also contributed to the so embarrassing column one of the best sections of smash hits actually in which they get for some reason celebrities are so desperate to be in smash hits that they will share embarrassing stories about their lives or their to be cynical their record labels make them up i don't know wouldn't like to speculate on the journalistic credibility of smash hits magazine but here's what mark owen said in the this little piece labeled soccer slip up i was checking into a hotel in manchester one day and i reserved myself a room under the name m.owen the woman on reception was really helpful and was like are you the 
G-M-O-N? So I just said, yeah. But when I arrived at the hotel where there was a big group of people standing in the foyer dressed in Liverpool and England shirts, they thought it was the footballer Michael Owen who was checking in. I felt awful for them because it was only little old me. I went bright red. It was really embarrassing. Important lesson for all celebrities there. There is always someone more famous than you. And even if there isn't, there will be a weird gay guy who is more excited to meet a member of the 411 than they are to meet Ryan Gosling. I hope you take that to heart as a life lesson, everyone. And Mark Owen, number six there, brings us to our top five in which we have still to come new entries from Busted and Jamieson and returning songs from last week from Lumidy, Ultra B and of course last week's number one Blue Control featuring Sean Paul's Breathe which one of those will be at number one well it will not be Lumidy because she is at number five staying at five in her third week in the charts are doing well and here is although she might be doing well on the charts but she's about to be bodied by Top of the Pops but we will get into that after we hear a little bit of Never Leave You brackets uh oh uh oh Here, a little bit of fern cotton introducing lumidy there next up a song that's become a massive summer hit despite a lot of people saying it sounds a little bit out of tune we asked the singer to explain herself well miss lumidy incredibly rude but here's what lumidy said about it it was a blend so i sang it off a whole nother track and the vocals everybody hears now is from two years ago so since it was like a mix it's not in key because i didn't sing it on this track and we didn't think it was going to blow up so big, so we're not worried about the song being in key or anything. So should we change it now? You know, for the album, should we change it? But it was like, everybody likes it like this. Maybe it's for a reason, you know, so we just left it alone. Which would be fine. It's a bit of a mealy-mouthed excuse, but I guess it works. But then what Top of the Pops does is replay the, the performance just to really highlight how out of tune it is. But to be fair, it's not just Lumidy's singing that is awkward here. There's also this rapper that they've paired her with to try and garner excitement. It mostly seems to be her saying, sing it over and over again. And we just sit there being like, mm, maybe don't, because you don't seem to be in key. He also seems to pronounce Lumidy's name wrong, which is, so just the whole thing's very embarrassing. And then if that wasn't bad enough, then he makes everyone put their fingers into the shape of an L and put it up in the air. Of course, he thinks it represents Lumidy, but the in 2003, the sign of everyone doing an L with their index finger and thumb means only one thing, and that is loser, or as we would say on the playgrounds of Bristol, loser, loser, double loser, as if whatever, get the picture, duh. You couldn't see there, but I was doing all the appropriate hand signals for that. None of this, however, stopped Serena Lacey giving Never Leave You Uh-Oh five sun cream capsules. She said, Blooming brilliant. Probably one of the most innovative songs of the year. This is sweeping the chart stateside and it's clear to see why. It's a fusion of Caribbean beats and Spanish Harlem attitude. Like one of those playground songs kids chant in the street, only a zillion times catchier. If this song isn't a huge hit, I'll make tea for the Smash It's office for a month. Well, she was getting nowhere near that kettle because as you can see, it's been a big hit for Luma D. But this week, it has been beaten in the chart by our number four entry, a new entry for Jameson with Complete.
Jamieson, born Jamie Williams, is a British drum and bass and garage producer and MC, apparently best known for his hit singles in 2003 and 2004. I would say best known for being named after a whiskey, question mark? Look, all I know, there isn't much about Jamieson online. All I know is that this is, his real name was Jamie Williams, and this song is a number four, which matches his previous song, True, which was a UK number four hit in January 2003. That featured a woman called Angel Blue as a vocalist, and this one features a woman known only as Zara. And of course, we didn't hear much about Zara until she released a brand of popular fashion boutiques across Europe. No, it is Zara with an X. Just searching that and nope, that's not bringing up the singer of Jameson's Complete. These singers with mononymic names, they have such high hopes of being famous and being known for their single name, but what they are just is hard to Google. So that's really all we know about Jameson. Oh, apart from the fact that he is, a, according to Colin Murray's introduction of him on Top of the Pops, a former bank teller. And also from listening to this song, I also know that Sarah or Zara, I guess the X is pronounced like an S actually, so Sarah, somehow sounds like all three of the original Sugar Babes at once. Quite an amazing thing actually, maybe she should have been a mononymic star. This Top of the Pops performance, by the way, is quite amusing because, so it's Jameson playing piano, or I guess miming playing piano, with Sarah slash Zara slash Zara singing. So they're on the stage and then probably about three feet above them in recessed nooks are all these women sitting on chairs playing violins which is funny actually because I always have with me and this is true a woman in a nook with a violin just in case I need to have a random bit of vi- no not now Deirdre later so that leads us with three songs left a new entry from Busted and releases from Blue Control and Ultra B have Busted got what it takes to get their second number one their last single You Said No of course was a number one actually I think that was the first number one that we ever had on this podcast so they have a special place in this podcast heart but it is not enough to get them to number one because they are at number three which means it's Ultra B and Blue Control fighting out for the number one spot so sorry Busted although not that sorry because this is their fourth single and they've never had anything charged lower than three so pretty impressive and this is their fourth single so amazing work for busted and amazing work because this song is maybe one of their best i think probably crash the wedding is my favorite but then after that it's definitely sleeping with the light on one of their most kind of emotionally sensitive songs I think what stops it from being their best song is that James does the lead vocals and I would say he is unfortunately the worst of the three singers in Busted and sorry James you are the other one you're definitely if I was going to rank you you would be last don't even get me started on Son of Dork there's also the fact that he might be a bit of a homophobe because in So Embarrassing this week he wrote we were playing a gig in Holland when two girls started kissing in front of the stage they were getting it on in front of us we didn't know where to look but we still had to try to perform they were quite good looking as well god knows why they decided to snog right in front of us but it really put us off oh you're put off by lesbianism are you oh quite good looking as well you sound surprised like lesbians can't be attractive disgusting horrified in james so i can't can't talk about him anymore so instead i'm going to talk about kelly osborne no it is re- it is related i promise so in this week's smash hits there was a letter from someone who wrote i just want to tell kelly o to shut up about busted 
you see that's funny because she had a song called shut up yeah great work random oh katie from bursko bursko burskoff somewhere great katie great pun work anyway she continues i was so angry at her saying they are stupid fools well kel i think you're the stupid one you tell her katie this made me think wait kelly osborne and busted had a feud and indeed they did so here's her talking about them the scottish daily record people like busted are faking it they didn't even play their guitars one of them came up to my guitar player at a tv show i was doing and asked him do you have the little string it's called a fucking high e string and he didn't even know what it was called if he doesn't know what the string is called then that's basic i know what it is and i don't even play guitar if you look at their videos you don't even see them playing the chords you just see them strumming anyone can fucking strum it's pathetic i ain't that stupid they can sing so why don't they just sing why do they have to play guitar now look i like kelly osborne in fact i was actually listening to her frankly underrated single one word just earlier today but i also do think that kelly osborne saying anyone can strum i'm thinking never seen you strum though have i kelly i'm not sure even anyone can strum i think probably many people can strum never seen you do it though so the, the campaign to get kelly osborne to strum begins here of course so there we go kelly osborne versus busted the hot feud of 2003 we'll talk a little bit more about sleeping with the light on next week because let's be honest it's not going anywhere from the chart anytime soon it is time to find out this week's number one so at 10 there was r kelly featuring big trigger with snake that was a new entry nine cheeky girls with hooray hooray it's a cheeky holiday eight a new entry for richard x featuring Khalees with finest dreams seven pharrell williams featuring jay-z with frontin six four minute warning by mark owen five lumidy never leave you uh oh uh oh four jameson with complete a new entry three busted sleeping with the light on two ultra beat with pretty green eyes together we're in paradise it's so nice It's third week at number one. Blue Cantrell featuring Sean Paul with Breathe. It's a reggae attack, said Serena Lacey, in a two sun cream review. Now, I had speculated before that Smash Hits never gave anything less than three sun creams out of five because they wanted to stay on the good side of the record producers, but it seems they've made an exception for Breathe, which seems weird because it's actually pretty good. But let's see what our Queen Serena Lacey says. She says, It's a reggae attack. Sean Paul is like the So Solid crew. One minute he's nobody, the next he's everywhere. The sassy blue has been AWOL for a while now, but she's enlisted the help of Sean to revive her career. This is a bass back tune with Sean's distinctive raps dropped in here and there. It's not bad, but just not good enough. She's capable of much, much more. Big fan of hit em up style brackets. Oops, Serena Lacey there. I haven't got that much to say about Sean Paul this week because I just feel that this story that I found from the Jamaica Star sums him up. Headline, November 22nd, 2016. Headline, Sean Paul says it's a rumour that he eats pum pum. By the way, I've never looked at a Jamaican newspaper website before. Pum pum is has two asterisks there uh, p asterisk m space p asterisk m camp so here's the story superstar entertainer sean paul has caused a massive internet firestorm following his response to a question about whether he does oral sex sean paul was being interviewed on the breakfast club a renowned new york hip-hop and r&b media platform yes i eat pum pum but sean paul said he quickly recounted stating it's a rumor that i eat pum pum a laughing sean paul said no i don't eat pum pum he then said when pressed sean paul said no sir it doesn't have a wrapper you have to pull off the wrapper it has to be fresh so there we go i think that sean paul needs to make a definitive statement about whether he eats pum pum maybe the same day that kelly osborne strums what a day of celebrity news that will be what a great place to leave the podcast there i'm sure you've all got eating of pum pum to get to so i will say thank you again for listening what a weird show eh but if you have friends who you think would enjoy the weirdness that is 
is talking about 2000s pop music in a slightly surreal way, then please recommend it to them. And if you want more surreal ramblings, please join us at Twitter, where we are at 2000s Chart Show, and Instagram, where we are at the 2000s Chart Show. You can also follow us on Threads, but because that's such a flop platform, I've forgotten what our username is. But it is coming to desktops now, apparently, but it'll become worth remembering. But until then, just try and find it somehow. We're also on YouTube and Spotify, just search the 2000s Chart Show to find playlists where you can hear every song from the show in full. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye with this week's number one, Blue Cantrell, featuring Sean Paul. Here's Breathe. See you next week. Do you eat poom poom? <laughs> yes, I eat poom poom. Ah, you might but, not be Jamaican then.